Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. some who said that that if you did nothing but preach sermons from the third chapter of John you could go on for a very long time it is familiar territory it is very very inspired theology complicated theology at times this story of Nicodemus. Watching the dramatic historical fiction series, The Chosen, has been a very spiritually enriching experience for many of us, hasn't it? Jesus is portrayed in wonderfully human ways, laughing and playing with children, loving his mother, and maybe even being a little irritable toward his mother, but most of all portraying convincingly how intense it must have been to meet Jesus. We certainly invite you to join the discussion group on Thursday evenings. You won't be sorry that you did. The discussions are rich. The videos that we watch are amazing. There are a couple of people in the scriptures who become main characters in The Chosen. It's a historical fiction that fills in some of the blanks with characters, fills in, answers some of the questions that the scriptures don't. It's done very respectfully and it it fills in the blanks for two characters in particular, Mary Magdalene and Nicodemus. Don't you ever wish when you're reading the Bible that, that we knew more about many of the people mentioned in the scriptures? Today we have one such character, Nicodemus. All we know about his background is that he was a Pharisee. But we know some other indirect things we know that Jesus is the most critical of the Pharisees, more critical of them than he is of other people who one would ex expect him to criticize. 
excuse me, like sinners and adulterers and tax collectors. So what is Nicodemus, a, a, a Pharisee, a teacher, doing coming to Jesus in the middle of the night? He was a spiritual seeker, truly asking questions, wanting to know more about Jesus. That is surprising and out of character for the Pharisees, who were often argumentative and often tried to catch him up in errors of theology as they grilled him with difficult questions. Nicodemus, on the other hand, comes in the middle of the night probably out of fear of his authentic interest being discovered by other Pharisees. But he really wants to know Jesus better. By the way, we know that eventually when Jesus is on trial, Nicodemus gets up the courage to speak out publicly to defend the innocent man, Jesus. But that's the end of the story. For now, he starts by flattering Jesus. He, I know you're a great teacher, Jesus, and that you couldn't do what you do if it wasn't for the power of God. But Jesus' response is significant this morning, and I want to focus on that. Jesus is having none of that flattery. He goes right for the spiritual jugular vein. Nicodemus, unless you're interested in being transformed by the Spirit of God, you won't ever be able to see the presence of the kingdom of God. Jesus throws this highly educated person off balance and he asks a simplistic, even dumb question about entering our mother's womb again he didn't know what to say maybe he was taking jesus literally we don't know but jesus goes on to teach many other sophisticated spiritual principles as he talks and teaches nicodemus he says the wind blows where it chooses god is free to do what God is going to do, even if we don't understand it. God does not fit easily into predictable ways of behaving. Jesus goes on saying, you hear the sound of the wind, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. In other words, as disciples, we see signs of God's spirit here and there. But the big picture of God's plan for the world is often beyond our ability to see or understand. And again, Jesus goes for the spiritual jugular vein, so to speak. Nicodemus, you've heard our teachings, our testimony about the nature of God's love and work and kingdom. And you have seen the healing power of God, and yet you don't believe what you've seen and heard. The scripture says it this way, Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, 
yet you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Nicodemus, you have to get out of your current way of looking at the world or you'll never understand the reality of God and of how God is at work everywhere. You know, Jesus is that way. Jesus not only throws Nicodemus out of balance, perhaps it's fair to say that for us to grow spiritually, the Spirit of God must also throw us off balance too. Maybe a lot more often than we would like. At times, God asks us to do things that are way out of our comfort zone. Or God calls us to do things that were not part of our plan for the day or the week or our life. Or God asks us to take risks to love people who are not our friends and who we don't really understand. The Bible's filled with examples of God's throwing people off balance. He, he says to an old man, Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. We know the rest of the story. We know how impossible that must have seemed to Abraham. He didn't even have a son to pass on his worldly inheritance, much less to become a great nation. But Abram went, and he simply went. And along the way, God opened up new possibilities that were beyond Abram's understanding. That is the way of God. God is always a little surprising. And Paul picks up Abram's story saying, for if Abram, Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Now Paul is hard. What does he mean by that? In other words, the point here is, is not just that Abram went, his work of just going. That's pretty amazing by the standards of the world. He, he took a risk. He went to a place that he did not know. And that does give Abram bragging rights in this world. The ways of the world encourage us to play it safe, to look out for number one, to protect our families, don't take any undue risks. And Abram ignores all that to do what God said. But just doing that doesn't give us, give Abram any bragging rights before God. Paul's theology really does capture this throwing off balance, the ways of the world. He says, but to one who without works 
trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. Abraham trusted the God who justifies the ungodly? Does that catch you a little bit by surprise, that word? What, what in the world does that mean? I believe that Paul had a good understanding of how broad and how deep God's plan for all of creation was and is. All of creation. You know, we love John 3.16 and we often make that about our salvation and our eternal life and our resurrection after death. We make it an individual prize that's been given to us. And that is really a distortion of that verse because it, in the very next verse it goes on to say that Christ came to save the world. Not just believers, not just people who've done things correctly, the world, the whole world, everyone. That surprise you? When we read the scriptures, we really need to take the whole scriptures as the message and not just pick and choose one little piece. Abram trusted. With, without understanding all of the ins and the outs of God's plan, he barely knew who this God was that was calling him. In spite of how impossible it seemed that God is going to make this old man into a great nation, he responds, he trusts. Nicodemus was in the same boat. He knew that what Jesus was teaching he knew the miracles of healing that Jesus had done before he came to see him in the night. And Nicodemus was having trouble making the leap of faith that God was at work in Jesus, trusting that this was the Messiah that he was talking to. That's why Jesus throws Nicodemus off balance. He can't become a person of the same dynamic trust in God he can't get into the impossibly intimate relationship with God without letting go of the ways of the world. He had to give up asking the literal-minded worldly questions and take the leap of faith to see how the wind, how God was moving in the world. Frank Honeycutt in the Christian Century some years ago said, if discipleship doesn't come with some confusion, it probably isn't Jesus you're following. Jesus asks us to think for ourselves, to respond in our own unique way to this message, to find our own unique calling. And as we take communion together today 
We're in the same boat as Abram and Nicodemus. How can this simple meal be a sign that God is transforming the world? We're thrown off balance, aren't we? We begin to ask questions like, how long will it take? How will the ways of the kingdom be realized here on earth? How can the proclamation that everyone is welcome at this table translate into everybody being welcome in a world of peace when the world is a place of hatred and violence and coercive power tactics? It seems impossible. But for those of us who have nurtured the leap of faith and trust and obedience to Jesus, we know as impossible as it sounds, God's resurrection power is at work among us and that the power of the Holy Spirit is there, a sign on that table. God will take our feeble efforts and multiply their effects as more and more of us learn to live in trust that peace is possible, pockets of peace here and there will become the rule of peace on earth. As more and more of us learn to trust that taking risks in loving, loving everyone, not just our friends and family, even our enemies, loving even our enemies, the ways of the kingdom of heaven will be reflected here and there on earth. Following Jesus doesn't mean that we gradually become better persons. It's not a a self-improvement program. If we let Jesus throw us off balance, it means that God will make us into new creations, new persons. Our faith isn't in human process as important as uh, progress, as important as that is. It's in the amazing power of God to love the unlovable, to redeem the alienated, to transform the pessimism of this world into hope. Come to this table and allow God to unsettle you. Come to this table and let God fill your spirits with hope and a vision of the world as a better place for all, a place for all place where there is abundance for all. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. 
Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.